0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Thoughtful Intentions. I'm your host, Fiona Winch, and today I'm joined by my friend, Jonathan Savage. Jonathan is a New York-based actor whose pandemic journey somehow led him to living in a van in Yellowstone National Park. I've had a bit of trouble trying to pin him down given the tried and true traveler that he is, but I'm excited to have him here today to talk about the most recent leg of his artist journey and to talk about the outdoorsman that he's become. So hi, Jonathan. Hi, Fiona. How's it going? (laughs) I'm good. I guess I should preface by saying that Jonathan and I went to college together. um, We are. We are Penn State. Um, We met freshman year. He was a musical theater major, and we had a class together, and I distinctly remember him um, referring to me as Sutton Foster because that's who he thought I looked like, and then our friendship kind of kicked it off there. And I will say before you get a word in, um, that Jonathan, he has always been such a welcoming and warm presence. And throughout my time, knowing him has always exuded this just kindness that is not always present in this particular environment that we, um, studied in. So, I want to say thank you for being yourself and so amazing in that.
1: Thank you. What a stunning introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. We we met well the uh, you're still in my phone is Sutton the real MVP. That's so that's sometimes I have to remind like I'll type in Fiona. I'm like, oh, she's not in my phone as Fiona. She's (laughs) in Sutton. um but yeah and we did a show together i just showed your theater community uh, with your theater company
0: yeah with Wonderlust. with
1: Wonderlust.
0: yeah cameron and i are gearing so up fun. to do a little um Wonderless 2.0 with a stage reading.
1: i saw i'm so yeah. excited
0: bringing it back um so well first of all i also have to say happy belated birthday i'm <laughs> so you. sorry i missed that um how does it feel to be one year wiser um
1: It's interesting because I don't want to give too much away because it like kind of all links into the story. But um, the the day before my birthday was like the day I I arrived back in New York. And so my birthday was my first full day here. Um, And it was a very interesting way to spend the day. It was great because it was such a definitive end to this journey. And um, I was like, all right, I'm back in New York now, and now I'm 25, the end, wow. <laughs> but also the beginning.
0: Jeez, it feels good. Yeah. Okay, well then, um, just to let everyone in on what we're going to talk about today. Um, oh, wait. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I keep uh, adding things, but I think the last time I saw you was when you were hosting dance parties on Zoom.
1: Oh my God. Do you remember that? That was honestly a highlight of my of my pandemic
0: it was like very early very early quarantine like I think March even and it was um, very early Jonathan was hosting these dance parties on zoom and I remember attending one with Noah when we were um just hanging out
1: <laughs> I remember like you went live with
0: me yeah
1: <laughs> you went live with me it was so fun yeah, yeah fun. I as soon as the pandemic hit I was like I have to do something And so I started this thing called Corona Corner, which was just basically a chance for people to like say what incredible thing they were going to do that the pandemic canceled. And then it just kind of turned into a way for me to try and keep people excited during this time. And I was, I don't know, nobody knew what was going on and it was just sheer madness. And I put a lot of myself into it and I spent a lot of time just like creating content and doing all this stuff. And one of the things I did was an Instagram live dance party. And I just went live on Instagram and danced like a fool for an hour. And there were three. The first one was disco, then it was 80s, and then it was and then it was high school musical. And then I was like, I'm exhausted. I'm so <laughs> overwhelmed with Aww. just being on the internet so much. And t- mm-hmm. I took a huge social media hiatus for a couple months.
0: Well, it was a blast. Um and I think that's a good Uh, time to pivot into what the heck brought you out west so (laughs) so you did a little social media hiatus and where did did the decision to drive out west come from
1: well it became apparent pretty soon into lockdown that theater wasn't coming back for a long time and my first impulse was like well if there's not theater in New York then I don't want to be in New York right now Um, because in (laughs) <laughs> December of 2019 into January of 2020 I had um traveled a bunch and this all kind of like stems from this breakup that I had it was very dramatic um on my end <laughs> it didn't need to be that dramatic um but I was really heartbroken and decided I was going to go travel and so I went on a really big two week road trip of the southwest by myself and then I went to Thailand for two weeks um, and I started 2020 in Thailand And I remember being like, this year is going to be amazing. Like, I'm so excited for 2020. It's 20, it's 20 damn 20. My year. Everyone's year, really. (laughs) And, And so we were all, you know, feeling it out. And then people were starting to talk about leaving New York. And my roommate was like, well, our lease is coming up. Like, I'm kind of thinking of going home. And I was like, you know, why don't I just go out West? Because... I mean, that's a perfect time and thing to do. It's the perfect time to do something like that. Like be outside, you're naturally socially distanced. And like, that would just be really cool. So I decided Mm -hmm. I wanted to work at a national park. So I started um, applying for national park jobs, but it was past the hiring season. So a lot of the jobs that I wanted weren't available. And so I did a lot of just like anything I could figure out to get out west. So there was a moment I thought I was going to work at a dispensary in Anchorage, Alaska, and volunteered and that out it was there was so wow. many there were so many options yeah um but eventually i was talking to my friend um john peterson and he said i have a friend calloway who lives in a van in moab and she's a raft guide and i was like oh i've never thought about recreational outdoors like what a cool idea so he connected us we talked she was like yeah everybody climbs out here like just come and you'll figure it out like van life is the best and i was like okay Huh? So, I decided I was just going to go. I was going to buy a one way ticket and just figure it out because, like, why not?
0: And suppo- <laughs> supposed to be for six weeks, I Supposed
1: heard. to be for six weeks. Essentially, I was like, I'm going to come out for about six weeks and then New York will be back for sure. And so, my friends came out with me and um, we met up with two other people there. So, there were five of us. And we went out on like June 9th and we just we were in Moab for two weeks. We went around the PNW. Um, and we started climbing. We just did all this stuff, all these crazy outdoor things, and it was just the time of my life. Like the first day I got there, um, I don't know if you know Moab, Utah, but like Southern Utah is one of the most beautiful places in the country and on the planet.
0: I I like w- I wish I have spent more time out west. I my sister lives in Montrose, Colorado. Um, nice. Yeah, but I really like. I haven't gotten out there enough, but I really want to.
1: There is so much. There's just so much, and a spe- a specifically southern Utah is just gorgeous red rock desert, and it's literally where I thrive, and <laughs> we get out there, and there's all these crazy guides who do climbing and highlining, and, like, there's this new um, reality TV show about highliners and Moab called, like, Towing the Line. It's about the people oh, I was hanging out with.
0: stop it. I feel like I saw, yeah. like, a thing that. That's Yeah, so I know funny. half of
1: those people. Wow. And- <laughs> That my first day there they threw me on a high line I'm like 300 feet in the air and I'm like what is happening Wait, what
0: what is a high line like what do you oh I'm so glad you
1: asked <laughs> um so there's slack lining and there's high lining oh, slack line, okay. it's basically like tight rope walking
0: I, okay I've slack seen lining. the slack liners like on the beach kind of thing that's just yeah like, tight yeah rope walking kind of exactly stuff? and okay.
1: that's close to the ground but Highlining, as the name suggests, is very high in the air. <laughs> and so they do these very complicated rigs, which are incredibly safe if they're done right. Um, and people will just walk across them. And like, of course, you're like connected to the line. You have something called a leash, which is connected to your harness. So if you fall, your leash catches you. And then you have to like pull yourself back up and get back on the line. Um, it's very, it's, it's a lot Do you have something to
0: like hold on to? Like you're. it's not just balance, right?
1: It's all balance. Oh
0: my God. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. So it's a one inch thick line and you basically had to figure out how to like sit on it and then stand up on it. And it's just your two feet and you have your hands in the air and you're just like,
0: Oh my balancing. God. And you weren't scared of that at all.
1: Oh, I was terrified. <laughs> okay. But literally like, my whole goal for myself was like, you have to do the things that scare you. That's why I'm even out West in the first place. Cause yeah. this is such a scary situation. I had so many panic attacks after I bought my flight. I was like, what do I think I'm <laughs> doing? Like in, in, yeah, but it was so cool. Stuff like canyoneering, going rafting. And the cool part is like all the guides, they all like, they'll exchange experiences. So like a raft guide will take you out rafting for free. If mm. like the canyoneering guide will then take you in like gotcha. to do a canyon And it's it's a really fun, just awesome place and a lot of van lifers. And I kind of got it into my head. I was like, okay, I think I want to buy a van because, like, (laughs) why not? And so I ended up buying this awesome van, uh, the 1995 Dodge Ram van um, with a new engine and transmission. It had been flipped, um, like wood paneling on the side and the floors, a really cool matte gray speckled paint job on the outside. like he put in a Bluetooth speaker, LED dome lights. It, it, was, it was a very good, it was a good purchase. Um, but she's also seen a lot in her time. When I bought her, she was gorgeous. And since um, she has just died in the middle of the road when I first got her, my front door, the front driver's side door wouldn't open for the first three months after I got her and then I had to get that fixed so I had to get three into months? the passenger side oh three months, my gosh and then I had to crawl across to get into the driver's side um this if I your, went over 80 this miles is your an dearly, hour,
0: sorry this is your dearly beloved Apollo right
1: my dearly beloved Apollo one of my best friends in the whole world <laughs> um if I went over 80 my side view mirrors would go in um god what else I, I hit two deer Oh, no. um, I did a 180 on the highway In the winter that was pretty scary oh, um, So she's seen She's seen some better days And what's sad is towards the end She kind of looked kind of busted And a little sketchy But she always looked cool in my heart Were,
0: were you ever concerned about getting out of Some of this Like in, in the environment that you're in Like four wheel drive style Like getting stuck
1: Oh all the time <laughs> <Okay>. Like Like the- <laughs> when you live in your van, like you are always on high alert (laughs) because like it's your home. And especially my van, which has notoriously had a couple problems here and there, like randomly it'll do great for months. And then suddenly like, it'll just get a major problem. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing this? And the moments when like, when it's breaking down and it's in the shop, like I get so stressed and I'm like, why, why did I buy a van? This is the stupidest thing I've ever done. (laughs) but like when I'm in my van and I'm like up on my seat and I turn on the engine and it's so loud, you can hear it down the street. I feel amazing. I literally feel on fire. It is the coolest feeling ever and the music's blaring and it's just fantastic. But there's been so many situations, especially when you're van camping when like, when I'm camping, I, I like to, you know, get away from people. I don't like to pay for camping a, if I don't have to, and mostly you don't, if you're smart about it. And a lot of times you end up, like, down a lot of dirt roads or super gravelly roads or, like, a lot of not great terrain. And, yeah, I remember I went climbing uh, the second weekend I had had known my boyfriend. And we had to go through this really sketchy dirt road. And there was a point where, like, it literally just dipped. side, Like, one side just dipped. So I felt like my van was literally at a 45-degree angle. And I was like, we're going to topple over, and this is the end of my life. Like, this is it. Oh, so many times, no. so so many times. Can't have
0: that. Can't have that. In the no. And also, I was wondering, in the vein of van life, were you like a minimalist before this, or has that kind of did you have to be in in that situation, or like, like I don't so, know. I feel like if I had to pick up the stuff that I would find necessary for my everyday and live that kind of lifestyle, I would have a hard time selecting what is important. <laughs>
1: There's, yeah, that's a really good question. You, it's kind of a situation you're forced into. So it's funny because I'm definitely a person who, I love stuff. Mm -hmm. I love stuff. Everything has an emotional meaning to me. Every shirt, even if it doesn't fit, I can't get rid of it. Like, And I've gotten better. But like, as I was packing up my room to leave, I was like, oh my God, I have so much stuff. But I only had like my backpacking backpack and a duffel bag. And I like... I made sure it was, that was all I could fit. That was it. And so, and I had no idea what to expect. So I think I brought a couple things that were like, maybe I might need this. Mm -hmm. Um, But there were definitely, yeah, I definitely cut down. And so then in the van, I was like, great, cool, 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 cool. It's easy to be minimalist because you're like, what am I going to do with this? Like you have no other choice. And so that really helps. And you know, when you're living in a van, you're also like, okay, I live in a van. What are some sacrifices, maybe mostly hygienic,
0: that I
1: can make? And I saw your post fine. about
0: like um about not drinking enough water in the desert and your pee being brown. And, and oh, next, I was just so yeah. curious. I was reading the comments of someone that was saying you have to drink water every ten minutes.
1: I mean, I don't know the statistic on it, but. <laughs> I would recommend you drink a lot of water. But, you know, I had all of the essentials. Like I had, I had a lot of water. I had a very big water cooler, not cooler. It was quite warm, actually. Um, A water jug that I had under my bed. I had what you call a fixed bed. So it was just there and you couldn't like convert it or anything. Um, All things considered, my van was a small van, Uh, but it was raised. So I stored all of my stuff under it and then in the sides. Hmm. And, but what's funny is, I, I start to feel a little bit of a phony because I got the I got the van and then I started my job search because I was like, okay, I'm still not going back to New York. I need to get a job um, for, again, what I thought would be an additional six weeks. And then I would go back to New York. Okay. And I ended up getting a job in Yellowstone working at a preschool, um, which is one of the best jobs I've ever had. Um, But it was with the intention that I would live out of my van in the parking lot of another employee. Uh, So I arrived fully prepared to live out of my van. And then they had a room for me. And I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to say no. Sure. Um, And so I had the room. But then again, I was only supposed to be there for six six weeks. Right. But then I was there for like a year.
0: So. <laughs> so how did like how did that change? I mean, I remember you mentioning these are kind of it's kind of a two part question. But um, I remember you mentioning in your concert, which we will talk about later, "Farewell to the West," um, that you were also offered a job teaching dance in Chicago. And I don't know if that happened before you actually went out west, or when it was when you were offered the um, the daycare job as well. But um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that decision or if I'm jumping the gun here, please stop me and we can go to it later. But just since we're talking about the job choice oh
1: yeah no this is exactly where it will slot into oh perfect um Love but I, I, will, that. I will end cap the storage thing because then I lived in a room yes. for a year and I accumulated a lot of things and then I had to bring a lot back to New York and then I couldn't fit it all so then it was just shoved in the sides good, good, good. For the, like for the last three months so I was just overloaded with stuff that I did not need and so I was not like not a
0: minimalist
1: not a minimalist <laughs> not a
0: minimalist okay. by nature
1: but I made it happen
0: yes okay um
1: got Yeah. So after, after um, the boys went back to New York and then the girls kind of had their lives out West. So one of them Callaway went back to Moab and the other one, Mickey, she lives in Grand Junction, Colorado. And I stayed with her parents for a while. And she and I were kind of doing the job search together, trying to figure out what we wanted to do next. Mickey is now an incredible tattoo artist in Salt Lake City. And so you should definitely hit her up because she does traveling tattoos. Um, She's really cool. Um, And so I was doing this research and she had been offered a job at her dance studio from a chi- as a child um, to work their summer intensive, which is like a week long. And they had someone drop out. And so she threw my hat into the ring and I ended up getting this job teaching dance for a week, which teaching dance is one of my favorite things to do. Like I have a very big passion for teaching, um, especially anything that's like physical. Um, it, I, I really love it. I really love to help people achieve things that they didn't think they would think possible and i had an absolute blast doing that and then i made and then i got the yellowstone job and i had committed in everything and then i got made this connection through the through the summer intensive this girl had this job in chicago that she couldn't go do and so she threw my hat into the ring and i talked to the woman and it seemed like a legit job and like a longer period of time As well as, like, I would have the ability to keep dancing every day and stay in shape that way. But it would be Chicago and all this stuff. And I was like, this sounds great, but like, I'm now so excited about this Yellowstone journey because, like, what a random thing to be able to say that I did. Like, I worked on a preschool in Yellowstone. Like, how random. And I don't think you understand how
0: many people I've told (laughs) about your journey, (laughs) just because that's kind of in the grand scheme of things with this podcast, what I've been so excited about is just talking to people who have done like, who have followed their passions in these really specific moments and yield some really cool results. And it doesn't, and and it, it all still amounts to this is you as a person. It's not like, it's neither here nor there when it comes to your um, career path, so to speak, but it, it's all informs it all informs yes that's okay and I think
1: that's super great for you to touch on because I think the pandemic really reminded people that they are more than their careers yeah and we really had to take a step back and be like, oh and you know if I took the dance job like it would have been great but I still would have been working the same muscles that I had already been working and knew that were fully cultivated and I knew I had in me. But by choosing this Yellowstone job, like it was just a whole world of new, a whole world of things that I love to do that I'd never really had the ability to do. And, you know, when I sat on on this journey, I had initially wanted to work in a national park. And then here I am three months later, like with this job offer to work in a national park, like which just goes to show like that full my life is full was of meant so many to be. full circle moments which I have so many full circle moments in my life which I think will come up a lot in the story it's kind of annoying sometimes um <laughs> so you're yeah, at so the little like, people's learning yeah, it's like, center oh yes that's the exact name
0: <laughs> I looked it up <laughs> <laughs> you're at the little people's learning center and you are in charge of what
1: <laughs> so I show up and I have no idea what to expect and uh, again this that I'm supposed inside to be the park weeks. Yes. Okay. So that's pretty cool. The preschool is in, I don't know if you've ever been to Yellowstone. I haven't. But Yellowstone is the first national park and it is a massive national park. Um, and at the northern part of the park is this place called Mammoth or Mammoth Hot Springs. And it is basically where like the main headquarters or for the north part of the park are. And there's Upper Mammoth, which is where the hot springs are. And then there's Lower Mammoth, which is a residential community where a lot of the rangers live. And um, most people who work for the park can get housing. Well, the housing is a very big discussion there, but, um, and it's about 10 minutes from the north entrance of the park, which is a town called Gardner. And it is the only part of the park that stays open year round. So everything south of Mammoth closes after October and doesn't open again until April. Um wow. and you like you can only get through on a snowmobile. And so um after October, it gets really quiet. And it's really cool because you're living in the park in the in a time where a lot of people don't get to see the park, which is yeah. really special. Um, but the the school had housing. So I had like this house that was built in the 1930s with this girl who was my coworker who I thought was about to be a 50 year old woman but was like a 22-year-old cool person. Um, <laughs> and we were like a two-minute walk from the preschool, so which is really cool. And most of these kids, a lot of them live in the neighborhood or in Gardner or in Towns Out. Um, but I became an assistant teacher for the Junior Rangers, which are basically the um, 18 months to three years.
0: Oh, my God. And
1: I found out that in six weeks, the their main teacher was leaving. And... Um, it all was kind of working out that like maybe I could stay longer, and so I ended up taking oh. over the classroom after six weeks, and, and it was me. What got
0: you to stay eleven months?
1: Basically, yes. Well, okay. also a boyfriend, but um, <laughs> okay, and yeah. But then I ended up being the lead teacher for these five kids. So it was me and these five kids for like two or three months, all day every day. And then in January, um, we merged classrooms. I merged classrooms with the kids who had just aged up into full toddler land. And we had seven kids, two teachers, and they're just the best kids. I miss them daily. I very often will. I ha- I've created a full album of all of the pictures I've taken over the last year of all the kids. And I'll just peruse it and cry.
0: Aww. Like. How big was the
1: what? Yeah. Was the what?
0: How big was the class?
1: Um, when I took over, it was five. And then when I merged classrooms, it was seven.
0: Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. And there's just a little family.
1: Truly, truly. And And you
0: did have to potty train. I heard.
1: Holy moly.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry. I didn't mean to trigger something.
1: No, I, I used to say like, I can potty train now, but, like, to be real, I can't. Like, I don't think I ever successfully potty trained one child.
0: That's hilarious.
1: Like, but, like, at the time, the only child who was actually seriously potty training was three. And she had pot- she had been potty trained during the lockdown. And then, like, she came back to school and then suddenly was no longer potty trained. And then she just, like, pooping for her was a major event. And I worked so hard to get her to poop for me. And it was, yeah. but you know, we've had moments, we had moments, but there are, I guess technically there are kids that I did potty train, but yes, potty training was a very big part of the job.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. Um, and I feel so, like such a creep by like knowing all this information about you, but I also did see a post of yours about how, um, how dearly you want to be a father one day. And I was just wondering oh how this like whole experience kind of served that.
1: As, as I've said, I've said in the past, I, oh my God, I have a major baby here. (laughs) I, I took that job because I wanted to know how to be a great dad. You know, like I didn't want to start parenting by being like, what do I do? You know, I wanted to have an idea of like, okay, we feed them this and then we do that. And then like this, and this is how we talk to them about That's this. It's like,
0: totally fair.
1: Blah, blah, blah. And I gained so many skills of just talking to children that have helped me so much and also help with adults. Um, and yeah, like I, I just, I've always known that I wanted to be a father. I want kids so badly. And it's, it's interesting when you're a gay male, there's always that, okay, you want kids. How are you gonna get them? Mm-hmm. Are you going to get a surrogate? Are you going to adopt? And I think a lot of people, myself included, you know, you really want a child that is yours, that is your blood, that is like, what did I create? Mm-hmm. Like who who am I? Like, what is this child gonna throw back in my face of like, oh, this is who I am. I deserve this. <laughs> like and sometimes it was hard for me to be like, uh, well, adopting, not that I, I didn't want to adopt, but like, it, I, I was it's being a natural selfish. natural
0: instinct. Yeah. Yes. It's like an ego thing, but it's natural.
1: Yeah. And I'm still not sure what we're going to do, but like, it gave me that moment of like, oh, I can fully love another person's child. Oh, that's sweet. Like I can fully like, you, you create these really special relationships with these kids. And, like, I think people forget that kids are people, you know, like yeah. they have wants and needs and feelings and likes and dislikes opinions. and trust, mm-hmm. opinions, and trust that is built from the first day they come We're out of the womb. Very
0: strong instincts.
1: hmm. Yeah. Because that's all they are right then, or following their instincts. Yeah. And you get to help guide them and help show them. And it's just really cool. And then when a baby falls asleep in your arms, like, it's so magical and when that baby that you've known for six months then starts walking or saying words true, or like yeah. like actively playing with you or like just growing because they grow so fast like if a child is out for two weeks and then comes back like you can see how quickly their language has already progressed in those two weeks
0: that's wild yeah oh that's so, or you take
1: a so week lovely. vacation and they already look bigger or you go back and look at pictures and you were like when were you that small? Like, that's so
0: exciting that you got to like be there for so long and watch so much of that growth. Yeah, which was really especially special. In that which age is why
1: period. I'm so yes, I'm so glad I got to spend so much time there, and especially with those kids because like now I'm so invested in their growth and yeah. and in their life and not even that their families. Like, I lived in a town of 875 people.
0: Right. Wow. Tiny,
1: tiny, 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 tiny. Especially during the winter. Wait, where are you during from originally? Winter, that's a very complicated question, oh, um, but not in a bad way. I didn't, I didn't I just, mean I moved to go around down rabbit a as rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I moved around a lot as a kid, but the, I um, I did my, like, high school years in in South Florida.
0: Okay. So generally from, like, West larger well. communities, though.
1: Yes. Generally larger communities, like, close to a city, access sure. to a lot of resources. And you get a lot of access to a lot of different resources in this town, especially because of the park service, but a very, very small place with, like, when I was talking about housing earlier, like, the arguments that people have over housing, it's impossible to get housing here, And it's just, it's crazy. But, like, during the winter, there's no tourists. And so it's just the people who live there. And a lot of the seasonal workers are gone. And it's truly just the townies and the people who have full-time jobs or are married to someone who's a full-time job who may have a seasonal job. And I also started this theater class um, with about four 10-year-olds that I would do Tuesday nights. And-
0: um, I love that. And we
1: got to work together and seeing them grow in their craft. And like, what was really cool was working all day with like two-year-olds and five-year-olds and then going and getting to talk to 10-year-olds and being like, oh, you're a whole different kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but I love you. But I love you. <laughs> but like- it's it's so magical kids are the best
0: it was I mean it's it was cool to see you um keep like music and acting like and theater in general a part of your uh journey while you were out there like obviously that all culminated to this whole concert that you did farewell to the west um and still before we get into that because I know that's kind of a bit more of an end marker I want to hear about your uh outdoorsman and how that kind of the, the, how the how you grew in that capacity. Cause obviously, oh my gosh. I know that you're like, you're a dancer. You're very still in tune with personal fitness and those kinds of things, but this feels like a different beast. And I don't even know, like, to what extent, to, to what extent had you done a lot of that stuff before?
1: I, you know, I've always been, I've loved the outdoors. Um, I've definitely done a lot of hiking in my time. Um, but I've, I've truly always wanted to get into rock climbing and I had no concept of how. And when I did my initial road trip before the pandemic, all of that, um, I was doing research and saw that in Joshua tree, people go climbing. And I was like, that's so cool. How do I do it? But I had no capabilities. So I, I did. And going out to Moab and like Callaway climbing, like I got that, it was part of the reason I chose to go to Moab was that's why I could start climbing and just figure out how to do it. And we started climbing and like right before, like toward October of 2019 into the pandemic, I had had a very big like fitness revamp. Like I went to the gym, I started bulking, I got a lot stronger and I loved being stronger and being able to do a lot of things, which really helped me to jump into a lot of situations like this. Because I think climbing, I don't think I know, climbing is three three equal aspects. It is strength, technique, in the mental game. And your strength can get you out of a lot of test situations, just as your technique can, just as your mental game can, like the puzzle of climbing, but also that fear of getting over falling and just like pushing yourself past the fear and stuff like that. And so my strength helped me to kind of jump into a lot of these situations and just figure it out and then let the technique follow in terms of like canyoneering. But like the, the, the reason I was able to do all these things is because of people I'd met. It was all because of other people who knew how to do it and loved their craft and were so happy to share it. So like canyoneering guides and climbing guides and people who just love being outdoors. What is
0: canyoneering?
1: So glad you asked. So canyoneering is when you go like through a canyon uh-huh. And you navigate through it points where it's like super wide or like literally so thin that you're sideways shuffling through. Oh, wow. And you, it's like a three to four, it depends on the canyon, but like you use ropes and you do repels and you scramble and you just. It w- sounds like kind of canyon. like a
0: combination of a lot of them.
1: It is, it is a lot of rope work. It's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so I started being able to have access to all these things that I've always wanted to try. And then when I went to Yellowstone, I was like, wow, well, I really want to keep climbing specifically. I know there's a lot of other things I'm gonna get into there. Um, but I really want to keep climbing. And I decided that I wanted a gay climbing partner. And so I went on an app. And if you know what it is, great. If you don't, don't worry about it. Specific to gay men. Um, you know what it is. And you know it destigmatized grinder. It's grinder. Um, you can make friends on grinder, and I did. Um, And I talked to, I was like, I'm only here to meet a climbing person who's specifically gay. I just want a gay friend. And I talked to a lot of great people, um, cis men, trans men um, who were super into climbing. It was really special to see so many people in the queer community. Um, But I met this guy named Gavin and (laughs) he was definitely the most experienced out of all of them. Um, But his profile was all blurry pictures of him climbing from behind and then a blurry picture of him on a horse. And I had no idea what to expect from this guy. So I asked my roommate to come with me um, as, you know, a cock blocker. (laughs) Like, I don't want him to hit on me, but he gets out of the car and he's actually tall and gorgeous and really cute. And so we kind of hit it off and he's kind of shy and I'm definitely not. (laughs) And. I invite him over for a bonfire And the rest is history I can just um, tell that
0: this is like A relationship origin story That you've told so many times just
1: Literally so <laughs> many times And he Yeah like we yeah, He stayed the night Because um, he lives an hour <laughs> and a half away He lives in Bozeman Which is an hour and a half from where I live um, And the next morning he just You know didn't leave
0: <laughs> I love that all right. So, well, but he like also became today. He also
1: became, <laughs> then he be, became my boyfriend, <laughs> you know, that we started dating. And um, before I get into Gavin, because he's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> I had met so many other young people in Yellowstone who loved the outdoors. So my friends Lena and Mitch and Mary. We're all really into backpacking, and because they knew how to do it, they were great to just go with because they could help you learn the things you needed to do. So, I've gone, I'm really into backpacking now, which is super fun. You know, you carry your gear in, you set up your camp, and then like stuff like that. It's really, really cool when you're like in the true wilderness and you're just surviving off of what's on your back. It's sick. It's sick. Do you feel safe? Um,
0: I feel like that's if you,
1: I mean, if you know, as long as you're prepared, like you're never going to feel 100% safe. No. Yeah.
0: I guess if you're you're prepared,
1: your chance of survival heightened, like you generally want to backpack with it. Like hopefully to, you don't want to go backpacking by yourself generally, especially in that area because bears are very active. Um, But if you know what you're doing, you're mostly going to be fine. Gotcha. Uh, But there's always freak accidents, but you know, just knowing these people who have been able to help bring me into these worlds and then you start to accumulate the gear for yourself. So you can kind of start being self-sufficient. Um, But Gavin is an incredibly impressive outdoorsman. He, um, his dad is a crazy climber. He's climbed in the Andes. He's, he guided Kilimanjaro in Kenya for a year. He's climbed the Grand of the Grand Tetons. He's climbed Denali in Alaska. And Gavin as well has climbed the Grand. He's, he's a very impressive mountaineer, ice climber, terrible sport. Don't do it. Um, (laughs) And skier, climber, all these stuff. And Gavin and I, you know, are the same size. So I got to borrow a lot of his gear, which is very helpful. Um, and he's also a ski patroller at big sky, which is like the best ski resort in the country. And so I learned to ski at big sky and I've never paid to ski at big sky. Cause I always got passes from him. Wow. I'm very fortunate. I'm First. so fortunate. <laughs> um, but then I got really good at skiing because, you know, I could do these things and, um, you know, you just, you have friends who help you do these things. And the more you go climbing, the more you go skiing, just the more you do it. And I'm very grateful for my dance training because it has helped to, I think that ability of retention and body awareness has helped me adapt to different sports quite easily, which has been very helpful. So I'm very good at picking them up. I mean, so like, like climbing, a, I,
0: yeah, what a testament, no, you, go, like you go. what you, no, just just what a testament to like what you can learn as a human you know that you
1: and a testament to what like something you think won't be relevant really can help you later on Mm. just like knowledge is power yeah and like not only knowledge of things but knowledge of yourself like knowing what you're good at and knowing what you're capable of doing um is is so incredible and so having uh, attained a lot of these skills helps you to then put them together and then do crazier things. So towards the end of, I really shouldn't be talking about this because what I did was technically illegal, but, um, <laughs> yeah. towards the end of the spring, um, there's a mountain in Yellowstone called electric and Gavin does a lot of backcountry skiing. So what it means is he like takes his skis, he puts them on his backpack, he hikes up, you set up camp, you hike up, you ski down and then you ski down. So it's very adventurous. You're in the wilderness. You have to worry about avalanches, all this stuff. Um, Oh but gosh. there's this mountain called Electric which is a very prominent figure in the northern part of Yellowstone it's the third biggest mountain in Yellowstone the biggest in the Gallatin range and it was my first um backcountry experience and it's like 10 miles up 10 miles back down and a lot of new factors were involved oh yeah and plus my skis are resort skis so they're super heavy my bindings are heavy my boots are heavy Plus I had all my gear. And so you hike up until you reach the snow line. Then you put your skis on the ground. You put um, skins on, which is like synthetic cowhide, which sticks to the snow. And then you skin up.
0: 10 miles. And then
1: we got to about, oh yeah. And then we got to about the tree line. We set up camp. The next morning we had uh, a pretty early start. We skinned up the rest. And then you take off your skins and then you ski down. And then you get down to your camp. And then you put everything back in your backpack. And then you ski down the rest. Um, and there's just, there were so many new factors, like skinning is hard within itself. Um, but just like, that is not something I could have done when I arrived in Yellowstone. Right. At all. No. You know, and I'm just so grateful for all of the people who are willing to share their knowledge and just share their love of the outdoors, you know? And then he also trains horses. So I was riding horses this summer. Like he has shown me so many things that I have now, am now able to do and, yeah, I that's could go awesome. on forever, but I'll shut up.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Out of pure curiosity, are there any like legends of Yellowstone? Like where, where does the Bigfoot legend like originate from? Like, is there anything like that in Yellowstone? I
1: don't think Bigfoot is Yellowstone, um, but there's a lot of like Yellowstone it, next year will celebrate its 150th year of being a park. And um, it's important to note that um, that land is uh, uh, originally Shoshone-Bannock land. Um, there are, I think there's up to 27 tribes that can claim ownership over some part of Yellowstone but the major tribe is the Shoshone Bannock tribe um, and they were forced off their line by settlers and then settlers are forced off by the park service um, but there's a lot of history in Yellowstone like for example there's a corner of the park where it is technically legal to kill someone.
0: Wow why? Because
1: the law the law requires that a court of a certain number of people has to be gathered there to like uh, um, put someone on trial and not enough people live there to create the court, something to that degree. And so it's technically legal. Like there are books and books and books about crazy Yellowstone um, stories. But what, what I think the origin story of Yellowstone is really cool. Um, it was, I'll try to be brief. I'll, because I can make it <laughs> very origin, long.
0: The origin story of 150 year history. <laughs>
1: Well, just like how it became a park, I think is really oh, yeah. special. Um, yeah, what is it? Oh, God, simplicity, Jonathan. Um, <laughs> there's a man named Thomas Moran, and he is a painter. He is a landscape painter, and he heard about Yellowstone. Yellowstone is still very new at this point. Everybody's talking about this land. And he uh, he finds out there's a very famous um, explorer named Hayden who's going to go out and do an expedition. He's like, I have to get on this expedition he writes letter after letter, gets no response. He shows up anyway. He's like, take me. And they're like, fine. He's never ridden a horse. He's never shot a gun. He has no idea what he's doing, but he's there to paint Yellowstone. Oh, okay. And so they go and they enter what is now the park. And they actually enter through the north entrance, which is where I live, uh, into Mammoth Hot Springs. And they're going, they're exploring. He meets another guy in the expedition um, who's a photographer. They really hit it off. And they get to the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone, which is this huge waterfall. It's absolutely gorgeous Canyon. Um, And they're like, you guys go ahead, we're gonna go down and like for like a couple days, take pictures, take some sketches of this so we can paint it. And so they do, they free climb down into this Canyon with all their equipment, three days later, climb back out, meet up with the expedition in Firehole Basin, which is where Old Faithful is. And they go home, everything's gray. He paints this massive picture of the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone, which I believe is in the Smithsonian currently and uh the painting somehow gets in front of congress and they're like we have to save this land and um it was president grant oh. who signed yellowstone into into a national park and it was art it was art that's that cool. started the national park service
0: Jeez, wow that's awesome i had no idea Genuinely. isn't that really special yeah that is Which i think is
1: really cool and then a lot of the posters advertising for yellowstone it was like a play on Alice in Wonderland. And so there's a lot of imagery that it's I could it's yeah, it's really cool. But there's a, a research center called the HRC, the Heritage Research Center, which my roommate volunteered at. Um one of my kids' parents is like the boss of the HRC. So like one of my last few days there, um, they gave us like a backstage tour of it and we saw like all like Thomas Moran's like sketches, his hat, stuff like that. There um there was a three, there was a three um um a three antler elk at one time there's one there's a guy now there's an elk now who has like a horn that's normal one that like comes out his forehead and they call him lucky um
0: I feel like such a sw- city dweller I'm like what is an elk it's like a reindeer I right?
1: <laughs> listen I have a really <laughs> funny story about elk when I was with the original road trip we were in Olympic national park uh, park and we were in the hoe rainforest in an established campground and this woman comes up she goes hey just so you know like there's an animal we're not sure if it's an elk or a baby moose but it's wandering on the campground put your food away and callaway the most experienced of us turns around and goes guys if it is a baby moose we don't want to mess with it because moose are worse than bears like
0: i have seen tiktok of like a, a moose that's like like seven feet or 10 feet tall or something like how big they can get and it's so alarming
1: they're huge. They're awesome, and they're huge, um, but they are more dangerous than a bear. And so we're wow. freaking out, and we're like, "What is this? What is this? it? It's just an elk. It wasn't a baby moose." Um, but when I moved to Yellowstone, it was the beginning of elk mating season, or the elk rut, and um, during the elk rut, the the bull elk um, will like basically just stand there and scream this god awful scream that sounds like a child dying and like attract the females and Good. Uh, it was terrible Good. so terrible but in bison calving season which is in the spring all the bison would hang out around my house um and what? like we couldn't get into our house <laughs> on many occasions because it was surrounded by elk or bison and that the baby crazy. bison are called red dogs and they're so
0: cute and little this just feels oh, like such a different world to me
1: oh my god yeah oh my god yeah. you feel it's like I have, are you
0: having like a hard time readjusting to city life or is it kind of it, it's just by nature something you've already familiar with and easy to go I,
1: I think the transition has been interesting I it's been good I'm really a person I truly believe this when I say it um I'm a person who I'm happy in any situation that I'm in I find a way to be happy and I think while it was so, it was so fun to throw myself into the mountain side of my life it's been nice to be back in the city part of my life because that's also a very valid part of who I am, but that they don't negate each other. I like to try and balance them as best as I can, but I have this theme in, in my show, which we'll get to that. Um, I feel like there are two parts of myself that are always kind of at war.
0: I, this is, I think the perfect time to talk about this because I was going to mention that too. Um, but please go ahead and I would love to hear more about farewell to the West. So I'll let you kick it off.
1: Yeah. Well, I think what, You said earlier, which I really, you said earlier that I really appreciated is that um, you saw that I really tried to keep art in my life. Because again, like, even if I'm not performing and auditioning, like art is still a part of my life. Teaching is still a part of my life. Like I perform for those kids every damn day. Like I still sing all the time. I, and like, I'm back being an actor, like, and I was still trying to stay in shape, but like I was dancing and like, trying to learn combinations and just like doing as much as I can to just make sure I was still active. And one thing that kind of came out of me, uh, was songwriting that kind of started at the beginning of the pandemic. And I started writing all this music and, um, one of the Rangers, uh, her name is Nico. I love her. Uh, her daughter is the coolest. Um, she is a seasonal worker. Her husband is year round and she, there's a performing arts council in Yellowstone called the electric peak arts council. And she was in their main season and she had this one woman show, which was all about this, the lineage of women in her life. It was really cool. And cool. we like, we just did some DIY theater and we put it up. I directed, choreographed, stage managed, lighting designed, like this wow. entire production, like thank God for our tech classes. They <laughs> helped yeah, so much. Um, and it's about, uh, yeah, these generation of women who she finds out were all performance artists just like her. And I could go into that for a whole nother hour, but I won't. That's cool. Um and so she and also um the head of the dance class that I was working at, the woman who helped me organize it, were all part of the board, the 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 arts council. And they were like, Where we have this grant, um, the art of quarantine, and we really think you should apply for it. And I was like, I don't know, I don't know. And then I did and I was like well I feel like it'd be really cool to like do a concert of my music because it kind of traces. Had
0: you you written a lot of songs prior to this journey? Like
1: Like, not like no like when I was a kid I wrote a lot of like stupid little jingles which were really fun yeah um but I'd never like written a full song I think I'd spent a lot of time just being in my own way but I'm like really Mm. fun I love like coming up with things or like improvising music like you know me I love to riff which is just a lot of improvising and like going in and out of the chords and stuff like that like I really love the science of music but I think quarantine gave me the opportunity to get out of my head and really just write stuff and I was like well I have a bunch of these songs and I would love to tell the story um I I'm just gonna put it together and make this concert and I did and uh, it was just basically a retelling of basically everything a a lot of if not more of what we've been talking about today and it was super fun and it was just great to perform
0: it was it was awesome as someone who has watched it and if you want to watch it it is still on youtube um if you just search jonathan savage or farewell to the west it should come up but as someone that has watched it twice now fabulous (laughs) fabulous. thank you for
1: watching it i really i can't I cannot express how much that means to me. It was such, such a fun time. It was like, I had, I was literally thrilled while I was doing it because being able to feed off of people again and like feel their energy and like feel the jokes. And like, it was just, it was spectacular. I imagine that you got a little bit
0: more like opportunity to be around people because I'm sure um, COVID was less of a threat out there. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, I haven't seen a lot of live performance in a long time and I'm desperately craving it.
1: It, It's a very different environment out there. I, I wouldn't say people are COVID reckless there because they're not. Um, I, I, I did get COVID, um, oh, did you? but I blame my, I blame my boyfriend, um, which is dumb because he never leaves the house. It was a very freak accident. It was very stupid.
0: I'm glad you both did. Um,
1: but I got COVID and I was at school for like three days until my fever broke out and no one got it. Wow. That's we we wore masks at the center, we bleached the toys, like we we do take very great care to make sure that the center is safe. We had two COVID exposures in the school and not, none neither of them passed on to anyone. That's so great. we we did our damn job. Um great. but it was a very, I mean, doing Nico's show was probably the first like performance that I'd actually attended and then doing my show. And it was a very small group, um, very close friends, parents of my kids. Um, but a lot of people on the live stream, which was really special. And it was just like, it was just, on um, it was so special to just have people there in front of you, like having that live feedback. Yeah. Is and especially in a in a situation where you can just do whatever you want because it's yours. It's your show. I I it was all me. Yeah. It was all of my work, all of my story, all my songs. I was in charge of everything. And it was just, it was, it was spectacular. And I'm excited because I actually have um a date to do it here in the city at 54 oh, below.
0: Seriously?
1: Yeah, 54 oh below God. on January 18th.
0: Wow. Oh, I can't wait.
1: Yeah, thank That's you. So I'm super excited because it gives me like four months or so after the other side of this experience to to really talk about because when I did it initially, it was an interesting end cap to it was an interesting way to end it because I was still in it. And so I think I kind of struggled with how to end the concert a little bit because I was still in the experience. Yeah. But now that I'm on the other side of it and have been and will be have for a couple months. I have written more. I have written more, but I actually have to pare down a lot. Um, I only get 60 minutes, um, <laughs> which is good. I, I, I talk way too much. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's. I'm glad I had that dry, not that dry run, but that experience to just do it like the way I wanted to and then to feel like what worked, what didn't. And I'm not going into January blind. Um, but I think it's going to be a bit more of a, like, of a, I don't know, a grounded piece, because again, like, I'm on the other side of it, and I've had the chance to reflect and see how I feel different coming back, because, I mean, I talk about this in the show, but one thing I really wanted to make sure of when I came back is that I wasn't scared of everyone, because I spent so much time in the two years that I was living here, even though, like, I had a lot of great success and incredible opportunities. I was so scared of every move I made, every word I said, every person I talked to, because I didn't want to mess it up. Yeah. And this year, I, it was a huge goal for me to find that power within myself, find that confidence, that joy, and that ownership of like of who I am and being yeah. okay with that. I feel like and, I talk
0: about imposter syndrome so often. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is, this kind of goes in hand as I was, was going to ask if this experience has changed the way you look at your pursuit now while, while you're back in the city. And Absolutely. I feel like that pretty much.
1: Absolutely. I think it has a, it has helped me as an actor because I've a, found myself to a degree. I'm 25. There's a lot more finding to do. Um, well, you've but... had
0: ample life experience in this past year that you not <laughs> yeah. have had otherwise. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's helped me too. you know, what I loved about going to Yellowstone is that it was not the first time, but a moment where nobody knew me. I knew no one in an experience that was complete. It wasn't like, okay, now you're expected to move to New York. Like I was just showing up and no one had any concept of the work that I do my talent, my abilities, my capabilities—nothing.
0: No preconceived. It was a blank notions.
1: slate, no preconceived notions, and a perfect opportunity for me to truly try out what is it like to just be myself.
0: What an experiment!
1: And what does and what does that look like? You know, like yeah. when you take away all the noise and all the expectations, what is left? Right. Who are you? And you know, there was a there was a lot of finding in there. Um. But that was, that was an incredible experience. But I've always said, like, I feel like I'm growing. I feel like I'm gaining this ability to, you know, care less and own myself. But the true test is going to be when I come back.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask, what is one like key finding that you uncovered?
1: The joy of anxiety medication. (laughs) Seriously, I am such a huge advocate for anxiety medication. I, so after my concert, which I felt fantastic about and I had a lot of incredible reception on, um, my boyfriend Gavin is fucking amazing because he's such a good balance to me and he's really helpful at like calming me down. Um, I'm the very loud one, he's the very quiet one. It's very good. Um, and he's very good at calming me down and helping me see the reality and like seeing where my anxiety is speaking. And I would just hyper focus on one thing that someone said that like was meant to be a compliment, but I was like, What well, is this a backhanded compliment? Like all this stuff, like trying to find reasons for people to not like it, mm-hmm. you know? And he was like, I'm worried about you. And he is in a pre-med track. He's not a doctor. He gets mad when I call him a doctor, but he, he's like, I've been studying this and you have all of the signs for anxiety. I think you should at least talk to someone. Not, I'm already, I have been in therapy for a while. Uh, but like, I think you should talk to someone and think about getting on a medication. And at first I was very resistant because I was like, no, no, I just need to do more work on myself. It's just, I just need to do more work. And I talked to the doctor and she goes, oh no, yeah, you have anxiety and that's okay. And medications can be very helpful. So let's try it out. And I could go through the the starting process of it and what it was like, but ultimately like I'm in a place where I really feel like the noise has been, I've been able to like, my emotions have gone from like here to like here. So like big line to like a smaller line Mm
0: -hmm.
1: in terms of like (coughs) what I'm able to manage. And it quiets the noise. It helps me identify my anxiety and realize that like a lot of that fear that I had before that I wanted to conquer was my anxiety. And like, you can do everything you want, but like sometimes- it is a disorder and it's hard to beat those things when it is something you're dealing with. Like there's no shame in medication and it has helped me make that like final leap and not a final leap. I'm You're always working towards not caring what other people think, but right. a greater step towards being able to like acknowledge the anxiety and then push it out of the way and choose not to pursue it.
0: Mm, yeah. I mean, that feels like a very important discovery. Yeah. Are you among have, others? Are you like, Are you a little bit um were you at all kind of I don't know how to phrase this, like not bitter, but like disappointed that you hadn't discovered that earlier, or did it feel like the appropriate time for that to come into your life?
1: It felt like, you know. You
0: know what I'm asking?
1: Yeah, I think I do. I think I I think I'll say this. I think I had done a lot of work on myself and realizing, you know. When I needed to care and when I didn't a lot, and to a point where I'd almost plateaued. Mm. And it felt like I was I was I was I was hitting a lot of frustration because I felt like I was still hyper fixating on things. And I think the starting of the medication was almost like a light bulb. I'm like oh, I've done everything I can to a degree. and this is the next step to help me keep going. That's it it didn't feel like a why didn't I see this earlier? It didn't it was never it was never a negative thing. It was like a oh yeah if I'm gonna be an advocate for for destigmatizing mental health, then I need to be okay with like at least looking into medication. And then when it worked for me, I was like, oh my God. And it kind of felt like it 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 came at the best time because I started right before I came back to like New York for a week um to like get new headshots and just kind of feel it out before I like moved back and I was and I just started the medication and it was at a point where like at first I felt I felt like I was able to recognize I was having anxiety but I wasn't able to do anything about it and that was like the first week that I was there and then after that it felt like okay now I can deal with it now I know how to navigate it and like it, it, it's, it's been like a light bulb and it's been wonderful. And I think it's great that it happened right before New York because I was in an environment, which I knew was totally safe. I did not feel judged. Yeah. I knew everybody was there to, You know, everybody there loved me and I loved them. I had an incredible community in Yellowstone. And then it was like, okay, this is the next step.
0: Yeah. And New York can be, um, quite overwhelming at times. So I'm sure Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) And
1: watching (laughs) Gavin have to navigate New York was the funniest thing ever.
0: He, he didn't move out here. Did he?
1: Not yet. Um, (laughs) he has another year of school and we have talked about what next steps look like, but we have decided to stay together.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm very happy to hear that. And I also want to thank you for, um, sharing your advocacy and, and being open about that because I, I know that not everyone feels inclined to and I just appreciate that um vulnerability I appreciate it. yeah that.
1: thank you I I you're right a lot of people don't it's hard and it, it's it's hard to like work through those things and then it's another step to be an advocate and talk about it and I'm the type of person where I I try to be an open book in my life and I try to be very honest about where I'm at, because if I can do that and it helps someone else, then great.
0: Yeah. No, that's super important. I, I try to do the same, but it's the, it's so complex sometimes, like the, the number of things that are actually happening and just... Oh, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot. A lot yeah. Know. You
1: can get so so locked up in the intricacies of life and the meaning of life and all that stuff. But I think what anxiety medication has helped me do is be like, okay, that's all there. How am I going to live in the moment right now? Because at the end of the day, the moment is all that matters. And the moment is what gets us to the next moment. And you cannot get to the next moment until you're in this moment. If you skip this moment, then that's a whole moment that you missed.
0: That is, that is my worrying about frustration something. with anxiety is like, I want to enjoy this moment and it's stealing my joy. And I don't like that because I enjoy being present and I have so many wonderful people around me that I also want to enjoy. And how dare they, how dare this thing yeah. steal that moment yeah. from me.
1: And I think it's important to note that like anxiety medication is not like a cornucopia like, or panacea, whatever, one of the two. It's not, it's not a, a like a one-stop shop, fix everything. Right, right. It is, it is a tool to help you manage your anxiety.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And so I think uh, as long as you go into it with that mindset, you're not, because if you go into it with the mindset of like, this is going to fix everything, then you're destined to fail.
0: Like That's pretty much true for a lot of scenarios. If you go into a lot of things with that mindset, you might be disappointed.
1: Absolutely. I
0: agree. Um, well, before I let you go, I want to give you the opportunity to plug all of your things. And I also want to give you the opportunity if you have a little, like anything else to say about how this, this year truly has like shaped your worldview or your vision for your personal future or anything like that. And then just like plug all your stuff and, um, I'm excited to have people follow you or, <laughs> yeah. or look at your, I'm so, studio, your concert. I'm so
1: excited to have done this. Thank you so much for, for talking to me. It's been so much fun. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> excuse me. I might um, mucus is settling in. Uh, yes. So January 18th, I know it's a couple months away, but this think about it, uh, I'm doing farewell to the West 2.0 at 54 below in midtown manhattan um a really awesome nightclub a beautiful space um and a very intimate space which is great for a really intimate story um so 2.0 it's gonna be better than ever hit us up um and i would just say you know if there's if there's something you want to do you have you just have to do it you know because I think the hardest part is starting. It's always the hardest part is starting because it's getting over that hump. But once you start, then you can continue to make progress towards actually realizing your goals and nothing is going to be immediate. Like nothing comes to you that day. You know, you have to work for it and you have to be willing to try and fail and try again and go with the flow. You know, don't, and a specific advice for traveling. If you don't go into a traveling situation w- and plan out the entire thing, go just kind of show up and then feel it out because you're going to be a lot more successful <laughs> and you're going to have a lot more fun. And it gives you the chance to take crazy risks, trust in yourself, trust your instincts, um, and trust that honestly, people are, are generally wonderful people who just want to also feel safe and loved
0: well that's lovely thank you so much jonathan this has been a blast i'm so glad that we got the opportunity finally to chat and i'm so glad to have you back in brooklyn
1: i know me too let's hang out soon i know
0: we have to (laughs) finally Um, and thank you all for listening this has been fiona winch with my friend jonathan savage